My name is Rich Procida. I'm the host of Democracy Under Fire and the producer of Bible Study for Progressives. Before we begin this episode, I want to invite you to two upcoming events, both on May 1st. At 2 o'clock p.m. Pacific time, we have representatives from Fair Vote California and Fair Vote Washington speak to us about the benefits of ranked choice voting. To register for that event, go to tinyurl.com slash democracy discussion. That's tinyurl.com slash democracy discussion. At 5 p.m., we will have Georgetown professor Joshua Mitchell speak to us about identity politics, religion, and democracy. To register for that event, go to tinyurl.com slash identity democracy. That's tinyurl.com slash identity democracy. Today's show is part two of our discussion about organizing across political lines with minister and activist Dom Jones, who will talk to us about political division and race. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you, Dom. Thank you, Dom. Let's give her some love. You know, I, that anger thing with Ukraine has really sort of gotten me. And plus, the division, the divisiveness, and both sides are engaged in this very um, divisive type of, and, and that causes me problems because Everybody has to have the same point of view. Everybody has to agree. I want to use example because it came up recently for me, is this pronoun thing. Now, I don't want to categorize myself. 
I don't want to out myself. I don't want to tell people what I don't want to identify. And I don't. And then what happens? Well, we really we don't need them. We just call people by their first name. And, and I see it as behavior control. In other words, we've got indoctrination going on. And the next step in indoctrination is to change your behavior, actually get you to do things physically, label yourself. And so I resist that, but then I get kicked out. And then I get angry. And in the shower, I start yelling at invisible people. And you know, Richard, that that is unfortunate. The reality is, is that when we have our thoughts and ideas and feelings about what we feel, you know, you know, it, it's a topic that means something to you. You, you don't want to have to think like everyone else is thinking and no one should have to. We are all entitled to feel and think and be proponents of what we desire, you know? And, and so I completely understand, unfortunately, our society today, um, you know, the world has become very sensitive in many ways and navigating that isn't always easy. Um, however, it's really important for us to also set the tone for what we want from others. So when we, we want them to be able to listen to us and hear our thoughts and theories and scenarios, we want to be sure to provide the same platform for them with us. And that requires that internal personal work, right? Of not allowing our emotions to come up and get angry, but realize, you know what? In order to progress, I have to harmonize. Okay, yeah, sometimes I don't do that very well. I have <laughs> to admit that. Um, so if you want to ask a question or make a comment, go ahead and use the um, raise hand feature. I think it's, um, where is it, in the reactions um, menu at the bottom of your screen. And um, I'll go ahead and call on you. Um, go ahead, Samuel, you can unmute yourself and ask your question. Um, I, uh, I want to make a comment, um, uh, but the main question is uh, the polls for Biden are only 39% the last I saw. Does that mean the majority is for Trump or for, I don't know, they never say what the majority is. They just say where Biden stands. It makes me very unhappy. Well, we, we don't, uh, all the polls are different. The thing about polling is you never know exactly uh, because polling is done, across, uh, so many different guidelines are laid out in order for a poll to be given and administered and along against what backdrop. So I would say um, in that respect about Biden and 39%, I'm not completely certain about what it means. The other percent, you, you could surmise, it could mean the other percent is the other way. Um, that is speculation. I would say there are many different polls that kind of give different places and percentages about where, where things are right now. So. The, polls, the polls are... Uh... There are multiple polls uh, indicated, and I don't know the names of them. There were just, there was a bunch of polls, and the average turned out to be 39%. But getting back to this, um, I think the important thing, and you mentioned that, is mindfulness. And we have to find out there are many schools of mindfulness. I haven't done the research. Kaiser, where I belong, has mindfulness courses, and other places do, but I do not know. I wish there would be a webinar discussing the history and schools of mindfulness because that would bring on the peace more likely bring on the peace just thinking of the rhythm of the present focusing on the music and thinking of a nice melody and uh, focusing on the present and not worrying about too much about the future and resisting as long as is possible because i'm extremely cynical we're descended from chimpanzees the strongest is the victor 
in the chimpanzee world. I wish we were descended with a more peaceful bonobo, but unfortunately, that's our human nature. And it's unfortunate. It's not the ideal nature. And it's the way I feel. I I think it's likely there'll be one world empire, no matter how hard we resist, but we'll resist as long as possible and think of the rhythm of the present. You know, I'm, I'm also very frustrated with that. People, I don't know what causes people to just, have an opinion like that based on very little really and not really thinking much about the situation and not giving him credit for what he's done by organizing all these um, sanctions and really putting it to Russia. And that's a big thing. And so people want to talk about how Trump, well, he wouldn't have tacked, but what would happen if Trump were president, there would be nothing done and Russia would have just walked over Ukraine, or that we would have left Europe to their own to try and organize sanctions, and the situation would be much worse. And so, go ahead, Yeah, yeah, Richard, I I couldn't agree with you more, and I I see Carol, um, she was definitely, I saw her go, yeah, that's right, and I see you, Carol, I really appreciated that head nod, because that's exactly the case, you know, that, you know, our country would be, we, we would be literally in so much mire right now, if it weren't for, uh, honestly, Biden becoming president. It's been, we had to save our democracy and thank goodness we did at that very important juncture. And I just wanna take note of what Samuel said about mindfulness and that is very important. Uh, We do need more mindfulness and awareness and peace Uh, peaceful teachings, I'm going to say in our schools, Uh, we needed more in our systems, our societal structures where we are teaching our students because our students are our future leaders. They are the future citizens of our world. We need to be teaching them how to collaborate peacefully and harmoniously with the practice of mindfulness. And it's it's an amazing practice that, you know, is there's so many components to it. I um, I am a business owner. I'm a gym, gym owner and I'm in the fitness industry. I teach uh, yoga classes, mindfulness awareness classes. And it's so very, very important to really ground down and find how to become mindful. And someone mentioned that I saw in the chat isn't organizing locally more effective. And it is so very effective to organize locally um, as one of those ways, uh, mobilizing mindfulness there and growing from there. Uh Um, Again, if you have a question, um, just uh, raise your hand or speak up. Um, Nobody's in line right now. But, you know, there's this strategy. And I think both sides are using it, the left and the right. And it's called divide and conquer. Mm -hmm. And so we've got and we don't really see it on our side so much. We definitely see it on the right. I mean, and when I say we don't see it, I mean, we're we're blind to it. We don't we're we're, we're caught up in it, you know, so we don't see it. But we see it on the other side because we're not caught up in their um, propaganda, but we're caught up in our own. Right, Richard. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so there's a there's this idea that all we have to do is wait for the demographic shift and then it will all be over for these white people. That and in that Richard, I, can I pause with you right there? Because sure, you sure. said something, you know, we we have to wait for the democratic shift in that statement that you just made. Is there anyone in here? I would like to know that statement. It's a it's a very strong statement. And all of you guys, we all have thoughts on that. 
he said, you know, there's this thing that, you know, we're going to wait until quote unquote, all the white people, whatever, you know, what do you guys think about that? You know, what are your thoughts on that? That's a very powerful statement, Richard. Yeah. Let me, let me just make sure it's clear that uh, there's a divide and conquer strategy. And the idea is to wait until it's a majority minority nation. Hmm. And then that's how we're going to defeat this, um, this white supremacy and all of this stuff that we're fighting against once we become a minority majority. And I have some problems with that, you know, um, writing off half the population, uh, needing a larger majority if we have to overthrow a dictatorship, not reaching out to the center, but using that divide and conquer. And that leads, in my mind, to perennial ongoing division between the races. And that's why we've got all this identity stuff coming down. They want people to be identifying um, themselves because it's really about which side you're on. Very true. And I appreciate what Deborah just said in the chat that there is a danger in assuming that, for example, all minorities are democratic. And that's a very important point as well. Uh, I, I know many people across different racial uh uh, that the racial diaspora who are of different cultures and believe different, have different political beliefs. So we should not, definitely shouldn't pigeonhole people into one belief system. I don't think that that's very good to do at all. Right. And um, many of people have, uh, many of the people coming to this country are, are religious people, Christian people. So right. how, how do we know where they're going to turn up? Um, go ahead, Jane. Um, you can unmute yourself. And there was somebody else there. Feel free to put your hand back up so that we can get you on. In the 1850s and 1860s, I mean, there was a time when this country went through real hard times, and it wasn't just one party or the other. It fractured into multiple parties, and so I see us having more than Democratic and Republican parties with what's going on in the world, and I think it's important that we be clear on our values and that being peaceful, working together and getting people out of jail and finding work for people and finding health care for people and sticking to those values that can be cohesive to groups of people rather than saying white or black and democratic and Republican. I think that the dialogue has to be along clear values that people can get behind. I love that, Jane. That was so well put. And that's exactly the, that's what we're talking about right now, Jane. That was beautifully stated. And I love how you said, instead of the whole white, black, Republican, Democrat, you know, it's, you know, never do you see the words uh, white and black on TV, except for when there's a political season, right? And then you see them pigeonholing and making people vote by this group, that group, this group, black group, white group. And it's like, we are so much more than that. We're being broken down into just literally by something that we look like to assess how we are going to vote. And, you know, again, there are studies that do show correlations in certain ways, but at the same time, by putting it and perpetuating it in such a way, we're all just focusing on those things, uh, Jane, and not what you're saying. The fact that there's so many political beliefs that are opening up now. There are so many, you know, you know ways to look at this, but always with peace. So Jane, I love that. That was beautiful. And there are political philosophers that say there's really only two groups, and that's the haves and the have-nots. There you go. <laughs> there's My that. My husband is running for circuit judge in Kentucky, 
and he's running in a nonpartisan race. And wow. so it's not Democrat or Republican, but I personally have been very involved in democratic politics and I just can't find a way to talk to people that identify as Republicans and we don't even get a foot in the door to even talk to Republican groups. And I'm not sure what I'd say when I got there, except per se, what Tim is behind, which is the judicial should follow the legislative and what the law says. Right. Well, you know, let me let's let's I want to make a point to that, because I think that can help others in this group, too, who are trying to talk to family members or friends who believe differently than you. So if you have democratic principles, like you said, and that's where you align yourself, struggling to talk to people you meet with. Now, first off, if they shut you out, Jane, or anyone here, if they shut you out to begin with and you're not a, you can't speak with them and harmonize, then that's that's nothing that you can do about that. You honor them. And I just say love and light to go upon your way. But if you have an opportunity to talk to them, I always say the best way to go about connecting and trying to find some sense of harmony, even politically, believe it or not, is beginning where uh, I mentioned earlier, what what we all really want. And, you know, do you want your family to be safe? Do you want, you know what I mean, you know, uh, na- neighborhoods that are you know, have police that are in, you know, harmonized with the community and good contact and these basic things that we all want start there, Jane, and over time, build upon that. But that's how we thread together. It really is something we have to take step by step, but it's possible. Yeah, and I wanted to, go ahead. I wanted to, go ahead. No, Richard, go. (laughs) Okay, sorry. I wanted to add that, um, you know, on the shared values things, I think that's very important. And I sometimes I see groups talking about shared values, but they're, they're really talking about, they're telling you that they want you to talk about shared values, but the shared values are really with people like yourself. I mean, in other words, what they're telling you is meant for you. And we're trying to reach out across political lines to people who are um, on the other side, not far right, but even far right, if we can get them to be less far right. But so it's important that we, and it's cultural values. In other words, we're a lot of times we're willing to work on the economic policy stuff. And we think if we put a few extra bucks in these pockets, they're in their pockets, they're going to come running to us. But we've never, we always, we don't address the cultural issues. We, We don't try to reach across cultural lines and one of the reasons we don't do that is because and i just put it this way that's what they want us fighting over we want to fight over religion we want to fight over race we want to fight over these cultural issues identity and we want to offer economic programs and policies um, but we need something to fight over in order to get people riled up so they'll run out to the polls and that seems to be like Samuel said, human nature, they're playing on. Maybe they know how to get people to the polls, but it doesn't work in the long term, I don't think. Right. And Jane getting helping her husband get elected to the circuit court, you know, making those positive connections and building that harmony. That'll definitely help them as an awesome wife that you are get there (laughs) for sure. Dana, did you want to come on and speak? Well, the only thing that I really was going to say is that um, until like four or five years ago, I had a lot of good friends who were 
were Republicans and we got along just fine, no problem. But it seems to me like there's been a transition. Most of those friends of mine now wouldn't vote Republican at, unless they could really, um, I think there's a fear actually in uh, some of the people that if I vote for this Republican, is he gonna be another um, Trump monkey? which is basically, you know, I mean, he honest, uh, he's a puppet. Uh, and, and that's one of the things that really amazed me is how in the world, when he came into the presidency, could all these Republican people, they're on, you know, in the Senate and, and uh, as representatives, how they could turn their back on what they knew was wrong and, and vote that way because somebody was putting pressure on them somewhere. Um, I don't know. That's one of the things that really, really bothers me. I, I think that a lot of the Republicans that that I knew, um, they were Republicans because they were either conservative, religiously mostly, yeah. uh, and the financial standings. Um, Fiscally, right. Mm -hmm. And other than that, I mean, they weren't they weren't freaky or anything. But but now they kind of are. Not my friends. No, no, they're good. Uh, but. You know, I just, I, yeah, I don't know. It's just, how do you fix that? Yeah, um, I really, thank you, Dana, so much. And I, I thank you, you know, Dana and, and Jane and all of you guys that are here. Uh, I see you and those of you guys who I can't see. I feel a lot of goodness and harmony in this call. It's just beautiful. So just thank you for this moment. And I'm glad we get to be present to it. To your point, Dana, um, so you said a question. You said, I can't see how Donald Trump, this man could just come in power and just get all these people to go against their values and things like that. Well, I can tell you why. What Donald Trump did is he appealed to one of the core visceral human characteristics that we all possess. Fear. Fear. When you appeal to fear, love and fear are powerful. When you appear to appeal to fear, you appeal to the most based human instinct in all of us. You appeal in many times to what is the worst in us because when we are afraid and when we are in fear, we're not acting rationally. We're not behaving rationally and clearly. What he did was he really got to the root of what they are and he got to the root. Give me I guess, Doc, are you back? <laughs> yes, sorry. I had a little moment there when I had to pick up something there. I'm here. Okay. Um, so Donald Trump, he appealed to the fear, Dana. He appealed to the fear and on a, thinking about it on a societal level, he appealed to the, and you know what, as we're having this discussion, it's not an easy discussion to have. It's hard to say these things truthfully, but we must, we must face it. He appealed in many ways to the fears that many people in this country, he appealed to a, a lot of uh, white Americans fears, okay, of, and, and, and this is not all of it, but this is a great deal of it. He appealed to their fears of losing something that they perceive that they have. 
that's a part of it. That they, listen to my words, that they perceive they have. Okay? Because everyone is being manipulated and hurt in all of this chaos that is being transpiring. Everybody. But a perception has been created in America and handed to a certain group of people. And that privilege, that privilege, we've all heard this word quite a bit in the last number of years, that privilege, Donald Trump said, be in fear because you're gonna lose it. And the reason why you're gonna lose it is because these Mexicans, let's say he may have said across the board of the things that he said, the Muslim ban, this about the Muslim people, this about talking about African-Americans a certain way in a derogatory fashion, calling the African countries as whole countries, all of these things that he said and did, it appealed to the worst in, 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 in some of us and it grabbed us. And because as I mentioned earlier, we've had 400 years of slavery, we're still suffering from the remnants of that because we haven't really healed and dealt with things and faced them full on like South Africa did when they ended apartheid, they had a peace and reconciliation. We haven't had any of that. So there's so many of these things, Dana. Stoke the fear, appeal to fear, you can accomplish so much. And that's what he did. And, and I, I would add that a lot of what we're talking about here is the problem of human evil. And, oh, yes. and that's why we, we've lived under dictatorships throughout our um, human history. And people have risen to power why, who are corrupt and not necessarily good. And we, we tend to worship our leaders just like in old times. There's a whole problem with people getting into power who are not good and how we don't, we put them in power. And perhaps because in our hearts, part of our hearts are not good. You know? Oh, Richard, and see, my heart is moved because of what you're saying. Humans, we have a duality. We have love in us, but we also have fear in us. Both of those things inside of us can get us to accomplish some remarkable things. And we need to focus on the love that we want. Love is what you want at home, Richard. Love is what you want, Carol and Dana and David and Colette and Jane and Francis and everyone. We all want love at home. We all want love within. We all want love in family. We all want love in community. Uh-oh, we all want love in our society, our cities, our country. Oh my word, it's love, it's harmony. Oh my word, is it really that simple? Actually, it actually is. That is the message that Christ Jesus gave to the earth. Very good. I, you know, like I said, we don't see the propaganda that's being disseminated to us. I mean, we know it's there. We're told Putin and China are disseminating propaganda. They're disseminating it to both sides. But we don't see it. And, the, and so we're under the influence of it is what that means. It means that we're under the influence. And propaganda, I broadly defined, is everything we use to make sense of the world. And that's a philosopher named... Um, Jacques Ellul, who I rely on for that. So it really is everything that we are using is, is basically propaganda. That's information designed to influence the attitudes and behaviors of groups of people, which is usually disseminated to large groups. 
So we have this propaganda on the left that I want to talk about, not that there isn't propaganda on the right that is terrible. I, and obviously I know what it is and it's outright falsehood in many ways, some little bit of truth to it um, to catch people in. But a lot of the propaganda we're getting from the left um, becomes an attack. It seems to be an attack on Western civilization and in attacking Western civilization, we're really attacking the foundations of democracy, the foundations of civil rights, the foundations of human rights. Uh, we've got, and I just use some examples, I, I sort of view some of it as anti-American, very negative about white people, um, even, um, and about America and, and, and what she can do. Can she go and save and do good things for democracy in Ukraine and other places? Or is it America so inherently evil that it must be shut down and disarmed? Um, Anti-Christian, you know, appealing to anti-Christian sentiment, calling Christians Nazis is a great way to start a fight. Um, and then anti-Western, you know, going back to colonialism, slavery and genocide, which are very, very important things to consider, but then putting those things all on the shoulders of the West and, and not really taking the fullness, the whole world history and looking to see how far this stuff has actually gone back and how actually universal it is and what we're seeing in Russia right now. So um, I don't know if you have anything to comment on, on that because that's how I'm feeling about um, a lot of this stuff that is coming out, that it's divisive manipulative and um, really designed to divide us basically and conquer. Yeah, absolutely. And, and this really goes in line, uh, Richard, what you're talking about, about the extreme messaging. When we hear that extreme messaging that can be out there, like you said, anti-American or even anti-Christian, and it, it, it's definitely polarizing. Um, this is what happens when we get so politically just divided and just cut down that everyone runs to the most extreme corners of the ring, so to speak. I say we shouldn't even have a ring, like a fighting boxing ring. We shouldn't even be in one because we're on the same team. And really what's happening is everyone is saying, okay, well, because because everyone watched the uh, Trump administration and how everything swung so hard down to the very Supreme Court justices that were put on right before he was done in his presidency, everything. It's like, oh my gosh, the Supreme Court justices, they do not lose, they, they are in power, you know, in that position for a lifetime. They set the trajectory of the nation for the coming years in the next generation. And so this pendulum swing just happens so fiercely. And so what has happened then, Richard, is that you have, okay, you have others on the other side of that saying, well, you know what, we're going to swing fiercely the other way. Even if it comes off, not maybe sometimes appealing to everyone, even if it sometimes can, you know, you know, Again, not appeal to everyone, potentially make others can feel a little bit like, well, where's my voice in that? That that other side that has swung far in the other direction sometimes. And again, this is not everyone, but in certain pockets, we can see it. When that happens, we need, we need someone, we need something to make us settle down and realize that being extreme does not serve any of us. And the extremity in any direction is not okay. 
we need to find those places where we agree. And I want to comment in line with what you're saying, Richard, in the chat here on what was just said about how do we uh, fight. Let me just take a look at it here. Deborah Roney, she said, uh, you know, they can prey on guns, cheap insurance premiums, cheap gas, religious principles, abortion, gay marriage, LGBTQ. It's like, how do we combat that? And it's, I hear you. Yes, it, it, but notice the word wording there. How do we combat? So that, that insinuates an ongoing battle. And yes, it is not easy, but instead of combating them or fighting them, how can we get them to realize that no matter what we are, whether we're gay, straight, lesbian, LGBTQIA, or anything else, or trans, or whatever, how can we get them to, to, to all of us to be equal in understanding that humans, no matter who we are, what we choose to believe, we don't have to believe what the other person believes. We don't have to live the way the other person lives. And again, as I said in the outset, if we remember that this is the great American experiment, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It will not be easy. Goodness, no. But this is the great American spirit. That question, Deborah, how can we all be together? Well, like Richard said, we need to realize that we need to not appeal to the to the bad. We need to appeal to the good. And yes, it's been done and it can be done again. We have to come together and stand true to one focus, which is staying in harmony and not get sidelined by all the other noise. Yes, I keep forgetting where I was going to say. Go ahead. Um, well, there's a. Um, boy. Oh, yes. Now I remember what it is. So, you know, we've got these people on the right. They're culturally in their own bubble and they're not accepting gays. They're not accepting a lot of things. But now where are we, though? We are pushing them to accept theys. They haven't even accept gays yet. How are they going to accept theys, meaning pronouns? You know, so mm -hmm. uh, go ahead, Jane. You can unmute. There are certain wedge issues, especially where I live in Kentucky, and some of these wedge issues are don't take away my gun. Another one is don't tax me too much. Another wedge issue is the role of women. Another wedge issue is reproductive justice. And these wedge issues, we cannot bridge that divide. How the Democrats need to focus and win, at least win in places like Kentucky, is keep your eye on the ball of the economy. And that means getting as many people to work as possible, keeping inflation rates down, building housing, tackling the homeless issue, doing what Pete Buttigieg is doing with fixing the bridges. Mm -hmm. Those are issues that bring us together. If the Democrats can focus on those, the culture will handle the LGBTQ issue eventually. And it will take different parts of the country, different rates, because they don't all deal with the culture at the same time. Yes. <laughs> I would Jane, say Huntington Beach, California yeah. is a couple of decades ahead of Kentucky, <laughs> even today. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I have 
some concerns about that, Jane. I, because we're always trying to, we think that if we put a couple extra bucks in their pocket, that they're going to come running to us. Well, look at the situation. We're almost at full employment right now. I just read a report, unemployment's like uh, under 4%. And we still have, as Sam pointed out, 39% approval rating for our president. I think we're going to need to start to address the cultural issues. We're going to need to bring people, start to address it. They're not just things to fight about, and they're not going to take over on themselves, I don't believe. I think we need to reach across political lines, which means we need to bridge the cultural divide as well. Yes, and I want to tag on to that too, Richard. I completely agree with you. The cultural divide must be put on as focus. If we take what's happening in the culture, because what's happening in the culture is affecting everything else. So if we take what's happening in the culture and we really understand all of the issues, the deep entrenched issues like race and these things and socioeconomic disparities, and we talk about it openly, what it does is that it helps us all as humans to see like we are right now, that wow, why are we arguing and fighting about the worst, these things that don't matter? What matters is that we recognize that you have the right to live. You have the right to live. We do have the right to live together. Like we have to come together and we got to fight to do this very thing. Yeah. And, and I just want to add, I'm not sure how the Democrats win elections. And I'm really talking about more long-term stuff yeah. in the short term. They might have to focus on certain things, um, so I'm I'm not really addressing how to win elections as much as I'm addressing how in the in the long term to bring the country together so that we don't lose democracy. It it well and in the that's the long term, but also in the short term to attain that goal, we have to be sure to be working really in a very focused way in building up uh, our cities and communities with people who have like minds of bringing this mindfulness and harmony to our to our country. Yes. I, um, I mean, if you're talking about fighting for democracy, then I think we ought to be more involved in Ukraine. But I think President Biden has got the long term fixated on and worried about the short term and not getting involved in a foreign war. So long term, short term, you got to win the short term before you get a chance to win the long term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, and I have a lot to say on the war in Ukraine. In fact, I put in the chat, if you haven't got it, I've got two links to events coming up. I felt a need to do a discussion on Ukraine. Um, so that's coming up on the 17th, and you can register for that at tinyurl.com slash Ukraine must not fall. And then later on, on next month, we're having Joshua Mitchell, professor of political um, theory, I think, or, or philosophy talk about identity politics and democracy from his perspective and you can register for that at tinyurl.com slash um what is it democracy identity or is it identity democracy one of the two i put it in the chat and um and one of the things one of the reasons i think that biden now biden made a decision that he wasn't going to use military force um and I think at this point it may not be necessary, but my, pro I, my problem is, is that he was willing and the whole Western world was willing to allow Putin to just run over Ukraine. 
And no wonder Putin thought that he would be met with flowers. And no wonder he didn't tell them that they were going to war. He thought he was just going to roll in there, take over the country. Ukraine and Zelensky would be off in another country like the United States and other countries invited them to go into exile as if we're just going to expect and let Russia run over Ukraine. And I think one of the reasons that is, is again, the propaganda, the anti-American propaganda, America can't do anything. There's obviously fear and propaganda. We're going to talk more about this on the 17th. I mean, the idea that, oh, my God, it's going to be World War III. All right. That's important concern. But does it mean that we stop thinking about the children and people being bombed and killed in Ukraine? Does that mean we stop talking about the ramifications of the collapse of democracy in Ukraine and the law? Do we stop thinking is, if something says, OK, this is it. It's going to be World War Three decision made. I don't have to think anymore. And then when you run into a piece of propaganda that stops you from thinking, you know, you've run into some powerful propaganda. Francis, you want to speak? Yes, real quickly. I have to go hop to another meeting that I have to turn on. But um, I worked organized on nuclear disarmament for 15 years. And I think the problem is we have, as a country, embraced nuclear weapons and mutually assured destruction for so long. Many of us have been organizing for peace and against it. But we've been in an arms race with Russia. We've been in this Cold War. It never ended. We've been in arms we're dumping money into, and they are too. And now it is nuclear weapons made the choice. Unfortunately, it proved not to be a deterrent like it's supposed to be. Uh, it proved to give Putin the cover to do what he's doing. Because we can't, we couldn't, if NATO goes, I mean, nuclear fallout is real and and we have all these nuclear weapons on hair trigger alert and we can get rid of them. But unfortunately, some people are gonna use this excuse to now pour more money into, into military and weapons. I believe that we have to get real. We have to find a way for the whole planet to cooperate. And it's about sharing resources, not dominating resources. It's changing the mentality, the colonialism mentality of we, whoever can declare being in control of the oil and these lands. I mean, there's so much to unpack here and I wish I didn't have to leave to go start another meeting. I put my information in the chat along with a conversation on Ukraine I held. I'm um, in San Diego, uh, held a rally uh, as well a few weeks back. Uh, I would love to continue to stay, keep in touch with y'all and organize together. And, and so uh, Activist San Diego is the organization that I'm um, a board member of and organizing with and I do electoral organizing, uh, winning and winning strategies. I'm also campaign managing uh, a race in Vista, California, a city council race for Dan O'Donnell, great candidate you should all check out. And um, Vista is a district where there's a mixed, uh, there's a lot of independence. Uh, I came to this because I think this is a, exactly what I need. To, we need to be figuring out. Uh, the message that, well, Dan is a listener and he's a doer. He's not a common politician. He actually is willing to do the hard work of getting the community together, all the stakeholders listening and finding solutions that work for everyone. It's a city council race. It's a small race. It's one fourth of uh, Vista, which is 100,000 people and then a fourth of the district. So we've got a very winnable race. There is a democratic majority here. This 
would be the first time to Vista would flip to Democratic uh, if he wins a Democratic majority in its 60-year history. Uh, just so those who don't know, it's Vista's in from Oceanside, just a few miles in, in Southern California. Um, and Cipriano Vargas, who's been on the school board, is running for mayor. Um, so really awesome candidates, great race to check out. I, uh, I got to run. Um, peace be with you all. All right. Thank you, Francis. I'm sending you my yeah. email and my phone number in the chat. If you want to send me yours before you have time or leave and yeah. uh, we can be yeah. in contact with each other. Yeah. Thank okay. you. And uh, I did just finish watching, rewatch and watching the whole Matrix trilo trilogy. Mm -hmm. Whew. Uh, may, may, I mean, it's also we got to we got to come together. We got to win this war and we can end this war. Yeah. OK, sounds 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 like a fun Bye. time. All right. Thanks, Francis. <laughs> All right. So um, let's see here. So one of, we're coming, um, well, we've got maybe 20 minutes. And I wanted to, there's some things that are happening. And I think also this is points to propaganda. And this is what my experience has been, that when you're in like a cult or in like a group and or even in a church or, or a political group, sometimes there's no room for difference, no room for difference of opinion, no room for criticism, um, you know, people some, you know, and if you're, if you're, if you have a different way of thinking, or you have a different opinion, you automatically get labeled, everybody's, you know, and so I've had to leave a number of groups. I mean, right now, I've come out um, for um, supporting any action, including military action in Ukraine. Well, that gets me kicked out of a lot of groups. No, and that people really don't hear you and don't want to listen to you, you know. And, and so that seems to be a, a big problem in our sort of group think environments. And we have in our in these progressive groups, one thing we do, and you can notice this, is that they tell you what to think and believe. They don't have like this discussion where we're having people with different opinions come and speak and everybody gets to speak. They're telling, often they're telling you what to think and believe. And if you're outside those norms, well, you're outside of them. And now, so you have any comments on that, Dom? Yeah, it's, it has become the nature of the beast, Richard. It's become the nature of the beast, unfortunately. Uh, we, uh, as was mentioned by Francis, we, we need to fight this war, this battle. We need not be so uh, sequestered in our corners. And as I look at society and I see what is happening on the, in the world at large, you know what I, what I see? And, you know, this, this can get to a greater, a, a, a different kind of discussion, but I'll, I'll bear with me. I'll be brief. It, it, it gets at the heart of what motivates us as human beings? What motivates us every day when we wake up, when we're going out, what are, what are we trying to create? Because if we look at the world today, not just the United States, but all over the world, I mean, what's happening with Putin attacking Ukraine, the, the pure awful genocide, the mania of it all, it's, it's affecting our whole entire planet. And it's symptomatic. Donald Trump is symptomatic. Putin is symptomatic. Duterte in the Philippines is symptomatic. Kim Jong-un, symptomatic. She, symptomatic. It is symptomatic of a world 
that has become so entrenched in seeking greed, superfluous things that don't matter rather than focusing on what each of us is here to do. The purpose of our existence, as far as I'm concerned, everyone on this call, is to evolve as human beings. None of us are accidents. None of us, contrary to what maybe my grandmother told me, her mom told her. <laughs> okay, but still, none of us are accidents. There are billions of us, and yes, billions of us all have a purpose, Richard. We all have a purpose, honey, all of us. And each of us, through the trials that you undergo in your life, having a child, getting married, possibly getting sealed and having to battle through that, potentially getting cancer, paying bills, car notes, everything else involved in living, all of it is our teachers to you. Your struggles of being kicked out of groups because of what you believe, Richard, is a teacher to you of how much further you should go into your lane and not anyone else's lane. The world is suffering because we as a humanity are sick. Mm -hmm. That's right. We are sick and we need to understand what our evolution means. And it doesn't mean all of this and we need to get on that. Yeah, we need to, to grow. We need to grow, my friend. Yes. So if anybody has any questions, um, now's the time because I'm going to close up shop. I want to thank everyone for being here. Tell me, thank you, Dom, for such a beautiful presentation and a wonderful discussion. And remember our future programs. Look them up. Um, make a copy of the chat. I got to do that. Um, I'm going to have that saved already. But if you can't, if you want the chat, make a copy of that. We'll see you um, all on the next time. And thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone. Blessings. Take care. I love your hair. How do you do your hair? Thank you. So nice. Love is love. I love my hair. I love your hair, too. I love everyone's hair. It's nice. It's nice. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody.